to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Sydney. And I'm Chris. Today, we're going to talk about this quote. I think I like the idea of board games more than the actual playing of board games. Is that even possible? I mean, board games are the best thing ever. Well, unless we're not in the mood for a game, or there's a good TV show on, or maybe social event to go to. Remember those? Social events. Ah, the before times. <laughs> but first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And thank you to our newest patrons, David Rank, who's with us tonight, and Sam Lacett-Brown, who is a frequent listener to the show and frequent emailer. Welcome to your both, and thank you so, so much. Um, and a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. All right. Sydney, or backup kitty, explain yourself. Why are you here? <laughs> I am here because Kitty is feeling under the weather and not COVID-19 related, but she is taking the night off. (laughs) Sick enough where she's like, I don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it has to do with the video. She's like, I can't look good right now, so I will not be on video. (laughs) I've heard those exact words from her before. Um, but yeah, so she's she'll be back. She's fine. And like she said, she's she said it is not anything serious or anything like that. Um, After that comment, we'll also know if she listens or not. She, uh, that's a good question. She definitely doesn't listen to any episode that she's in, but sometimes she listens to episodes that she's not in. So we will find out. Uh, also, we should mention, as we mentioned every week, we are on Zoom. We are live. If you want to be. On Zoom with us, you can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live and click the link and join us. Um, it's typically Mondays at 8.30 Central Time. And so far, we've been doing Mondays at 8.30 Central Time. So it's fun to be a part of the crowd, I promise. Although our crowd is dwindling. It used to be like something cool. And now <laughs> we just have the diehard fans. So I'm, I'm shouting out to all of our diehard fans, which right now include Terrence, David, and Michael. So ha, everyone else. Whatever. To that effect, um, we're doing a giveaway, and we're going to do the drawing live. And if you're on Zoom, during when we do the live drawing, you will have an extra entry into our giveaway. So this is my way of enticing more people to show up. (laughs) But... Um, but no, really, we just do it because it's fun to talk to you guys. And after this episode ends, um, we'll be doing a game on Board Game Arena, I think it is. So if, like, sometimes these things happen. You join the Zoom room and you get to play board games with us afterwards. Just how that works. Uh, all right. Let's see. Oh, we did talk about the giveaway. I'll give you all the details at the end of the episode. But in general, what I didn't say last week was um, you have until May 17th to send us questions. And that is at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Um, send us questions and you're entering the contest. But again, give you all the d- extra details later. So, um, Fletcher, what have you been doing this week? Trying to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> By um, hiding under a rock. By hiding under a rock. Um, no, I don't know. Just Carmen's been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, which we were talking about earlier, and that's really that's really about it. I mean, if you can't live in the real world, Mother's you might Day as well. Gifts. <laughs> yeah, can't can't go outside. Yeah. So Animal Crossing is our conduit to. Oh, look a tree. Oh, look a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Actually, no. Most of us I already still, have one of those. I don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, most of us are still getting hit by hit by the mortgage monster. But 
Not a lot of us are pulling out axes to chop down apple trees. That means uh, nothing. And this is your reminder. Uh, if you have a mother that you love, uh, send her a Mother's Day card or flowers or something like that. Because this is probably going to come out tomorrow, and Mother's Day is on Sunday. Oh, Sunday the tenth. It is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lovely wife, <laughs> remind me to respect my mother later. <laughs> oh, also remind me to respect you later. I forgot you were a mother too. <laughs> it's it's all good, right? Right? Yeah. Here, welcome so to mother, mother or a wife. <laughs> that that is a mother. This it is all, your reminder. It all full circles and stuff um yeah i'm gonna have to you're not gonna get flowers this year that's all right that's cool maybe yeah maybe a dandelion there's a couple dandelions sprouting up in the yard there you go Those are gonna be nice. <laughs> <laughs> when i was little that was like the thing we would go out pick dandelions and bring them in and like mom i got you flowers and then actually so. put them in a vase and everything um yeah good moms will do that smile <laughs> and nod thank you so much i love these weeds they're the best. <laughs> also, weeds and wildflowers. Hey, go out there and pick some more, please. Yeah. <laughs> I love these so much. Can you get me some more? <laughs> and really, you got to get at the roots. Like, the whole thing. I want that whole plant. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, Sydney, what have you been up to this week? Well, um, working and keeping a toddler alive has been been a lot of my time, but... You and I have played a handful of games recently. Yeah, we did get... Oh, well, you... No, that's not true. That is not true. You're a liar. Because normally <laughs> on any given weekend, we do end up playing some games. And then we do we do Vampire on Fridays. But we didn't play Vampire on Friday. And... I we abandoned didn't you all weekend. play anything on this weekend. Because you did something else that you should talk about. So the Keyforge that we both know and love um was supposed to next weekend have its worlds tournament where people were gonna fly in from all over the world and you needed an invite to play and chris and i were on the uh vault tour top 100 list so we had invites um but of course COVID 19 it was it was postponed indefinitely so basically canceled um but uh there are some wonderful, incredible, amazing, dedicated fans who ended up, uh, well, there were already wonderful fans who had coded a unofficial Keyforge online um, platform and some additional amazing, incredible, dedicated fans through a Worlds tournament. They called it Shadow Worlds and they had, um, it was an invite only. So it was, it was, but it was the same invite as normal Worlds would be. So I was on top 100 list, so I got an invite. And then if you had any invite from any other way, you were also allowed to participate. And it was actually kind of incredible. They they held it very identical to the formats that we would play at Worlds. There was one team of three people would be one entrant. And we had a player that would play one deck and then a player that would play their own deck and then their opponent's deck. And then we had a player who had to bring three decks, and then you'd pick which of your opponent's decks you wouldn't play against, and then you played with the other two. So we we had three different people playing the whole weekend, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so you played 10 to 4 on Saturday, and about 10 to, 10 to 4, four on Sunday. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, but that got... Almost a full-time job. <laughs> Almost a full-time <laughs> job. Well, they were going to do it all in one day, and then enough people complained that they didn't want to do a 12-hour day that of, they split of it. Of the 75 yeah. teams, 20 of them were from Italy. And so as incredible and amazing as that was, if it was going to be... Because it was 10 to 4, it was there like afternoon, evening to late night. So if they were to go all day, then these Italians would have had to have stayed up until like... 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. And so they decided to make it over two days just to be fair because it really was a world's tournament. We had, there were teams from um, Israel, there were teams from Germany, there were teams from Italy, there were teams from, actually, there was one team from South America, which was really cool. So it was just, it was really great. Yeah. I mean, it, it and it's cool that this is all fan, fan made, fan run, and just cool that these types of things are happening. And like, I did not participate. Um, Simply because, well, there was a number of reasons, but one, somebody had to take care of the kid. And two, <laughs> Sydney was, is far more into the social scene of Keyforge. So, you know, she was having a blast just doing that. Um, but the fact that we it was run like that and that you had that community experience and, you know, it was all remote and it was all basically, you know, from the office. You walked out of the bedroom, walked in the office, started playing Keyforge for six hours. Um, and there was so much sportsmanship. Like, it was incredible how, like, if you, because this is virtual, there are ways to make mistakes you wouldn't in person. Like, if you misclick something, it's not like you would have misplayed the card on, in person. And so people were allowing people to, like, take that kind of stuff back. And there were also every single one of the people that were playing knew that, like, there could be bugs in the system because even the online um, for, uh, online forum that we play in is fan run. And so these people are coding this in their free time because of their passion for the game. And so there were one or two bugs that did delay us a little bit, but all of the players were totally understanding. Nobody threw a huge fit because they um, lost uh, a game or something. It was, it was just fantastic. Yeah. So I, like I said, I, That's when crazy. this, when this is released <laughs> for when like Asmodee, which is, Asmodee Digital, which does the was software for this, when they release Keyforge official, I'm pretty sure that'll be the end of my social life. I'll just be on that all the time. Um, I and I, I like the Crucible Online and Kip. These are the two sites that um, were being used for Worlds. They're fantastic and they're fan run. Um, but for me, it's it's harder for me to get super into that. When I can like just go downstairs and play with a deck. Uh, speaking of which, Terrence actually sent us a the print and play decks from the next expansion. So we have actually two copies of each one. Thank you very much, Terrence, um, who's in our chat right now. Woohoo! And so I have to sleeve those and get to play them. I did not do that this weekend because you were playing enough Keyforge, but this week <laughs> we will definitely get the the print and play decks that Fantasy Flight has released. For that, so anyone can go download um, and then print and play them. Now, printing a deck of thirty-seven cards is not the easiest thing in the world, unless you know somebody who works for a printer, um, <laughs> <laughs> such as Terrence. But uh, it's still it's kind of cool to like look at the cards and see what's out there. So, all right. Speaking of Terrence, this episode is being kind of ripped off from a quote that I heard secondhand from Terrence, who apparently heard secondhand a different quote than then adapted it. So <laughs> Sydney, I think Sydney, you told me this. This was a Facebook post that Terrence had posted, which was what the quote at the opening of the show, which was, I think I like the idea of board games more than actually playing of board games. 
And after a little bit of conversations, um, this comes from a quote from, I want to say, Jame Gates. And her original quote was, I think I like the idea of jam more than the idea of eating jam, which I can see. Like, I, when I go out, I was like, oh, look at all these awesome different jams. Although I rarely actually spread jam onto a toast, I, so I can understand where that quote came from. I'll say that about jelly. I like jam, but if you say peanut butter and jelly, it sounds delicious, but jelly is gross. Jam is delicious. <laughs> See? <laughs> but I think when we apply it to board games, it really started making me think, oh, am I one of these people? And by the end of the episode, maybe we'll find that out. But right now, I don't know yet. So... <laughs> um. There's there's a couple other things too, but first of all, I want to I want to see um, and Fletcher, I'm going to start with you. Does this like idea resonate with you in any way, or do you not play enough board games where you can actually be like, uh, I like board games more than playing board games? Are you still in the nope nope? I definitely want to play board games. No, I yeah, I definitely want to play board games. the The idea, the sentiment, like makes perfect sense. I've I've said this myself many times too about different different things like you know it could be about like it's like the envisioning the person that you want to be as opposed to the person that maybe you are and those two haven't like quite reconciled yet like maybe i'm speaking from personal experience here and maybe other people can resonate with this but (laughs) um like i wanted to start like running one time so i was like all right i'm gonna start i'm gonna get into running like i downloaded like some running apps read some running logs i went to buy some expensive running shoes and like running socks and like a running outfit like everything i, ne- I would need for running and then i kept up with it for like maybe two and a half weeks <laughs> and then like you know life gets in the way and i decided like you know i think i like the I- the idea of me being a runner more than actually doing it that was the analogy so, i was going to use exactly too where it's like you know take it on the game round it's like i like the idea of running more than actually running most people right Like, I've run a marathon, and that was the last time I ran. And the only time I ran was to train for that marathon. And even then, I only did it every other week. But after running the marathon, I'm in this mode where I could do this. I'm going to run another marathon. And then I'm like, no, I'm not. Running is not (laughs) something I am into. Yeah, no, I was keeping it in the healthy realm. But, like, cooking is that way for me. Like, I love the idea of having a home-cooked meal. I love the idea of the presentation that – you like see other people make of the meals they make at home and just then once I get all the ingredients together and then get all the equipment together and start the process knowing it's going to take an hour and a half I I really like the idea of being a cook more than the act of being a cook but you are good at baking yeah. pre-doed cookies if it has directions on <laughs> it <Pre-doed? laughs> yeah like the, like the chocolate chip cookie pre-doed. dough in the tube <laughs> Not mixing any ingredients together, literally just squeezing it out of the tube um, with an ice cream scoop. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I don't think the word is pre-doed. Find a better word. It's pre-baked cookies. They're not pre-baked. It's dough, and then you bake it. It becomes a cookie. Uh, All right. I guess they could be pre-baked cookies. End result, edible cookie. Pre-doed cookies are just raw ingredients. It's like (laughs) eggs and flour. That's a pre-doed cookie. And sugar and chocolate chips. Fair, fair. Yeah. All right. But yes, they're still delicious. I I actually don't bother cooking them. I just grab the cookie dough and eat it straight. <laughs> you, you, you get the pre-doed cookies and just mix it all in your mouth. <laughs> just <laughs> eggs, flour. You're just like the worst version of uh, 
Oh man! Uh, oh my god! Any bring show on the ever? The Italian Stallion. <laughs> Mike uh, has cookies. Michael just showed us a cookie, and now we can't pause the episode and bake cookies. We can't do it. <laughs> we no. We're just gonna keep doing it. We're gonna we're gonna push through. We're gonna get cookies afterwards. Darn it! During our can't stop marathon, which by the way, that game. Huh, it's 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 can't stop. If you've never played can't stop, you should play can't stop because it's so fast to play, and it's so frustratingly, I, it's frustratingly fun because it's like you could win that game in a single turn. You never will, but you're always going to want to try. And Terrence <laughs> is showing us a hand drawn version of it. Yeah, because he got addicted on Board Game Arena and wants to play it in person. And right now, all you can do is really just make your own print and play stuff. I want to do it with poker chips, where like basically you have poker chips of all the different denominations. And you get poker chips, but you only get to keep your poker chips if you stop. Because if you keep pressing on, your wind pile goes up and up and up. But as soon as you bust, all those poker chips go away. And you're trying to get like stacks of poker chips. There's so many ways that Can't Stop is such an underrated game. I I can't even tell you. It's so good. Anyway, um, join us next week and we will play a game of Can't Stop after the episode. So I'm going to keep pushing that that Zoom thing. Um, Sydney, (laughs) to the question at hand on board games, because I have my opinion of what I think your answer should be on this. But I'm going to ask you, do you like the idea of board games more than actually playing board games? I will say that kind of depends on my mood. For example, like this weekend's Keyforge, I was so gung-ho about doing it. And I absolutely love Keyforge. And I I really wanted to play it. But there are some... Um, some like local game stores who had weekly Keyforge nights in person that could no longer have it have been hold- hosting them online on these same sites, and I stopped going to those. Like it just, it just the timing maybe or the lack of in person. Like I just the idea of Keyforge felt more more burdensome to go to these like Tuesday night games than it did for like a whole weekend of Keyforge. So, all right, and 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 there's because there's a lot of reasons around that, right? I I agree. This is kind of an ebb and flow type of things. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I really I really like the idea of having this all this this huge board game collection. I can do whatever. But then you walk into the room and you look and you're like, eh, nah. Let's <laughs> just go watch Tiger King. Um, by the way, did you guys hear that Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Joe Exotic? in a scripted yes. Tiger King movie. Ew. <laughs> just to take it full I did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> this just did. Um, but... He's got to pay for those dinosaur eggs somehow. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I get how... Like, that happens to me quite often. I, I love... And <sighs> over the last four years... So we've been doing this podcast for almost four years now... And over the last four years, I've gone through lots of different phases of my board game addiction. And it was to the point where I was like five or six new board games a week to now I'm like, eh, maybe 10 to 20 a year, probably closer to 20 a year, um, 25, 30 a year. But that's still way down from what it was before, right? And when I get a new game in, 
I used to be like super excited, open it up, read the rules. Now though, I just like the idea of opening of of, of like getting games, but when I get them, I'm just like <sighs> another one that I'm probably never going to get to play. Oh well, Let's throw it on the pile. And I don't know if I've become this person that wants to love board games more than I do. Or if I really still do love board games, I just need to stop getting so many and playing them. And I, and I don't know. Have you so, ever thought? Have you ever thought that the bar for you is just set so high? Like every game that you play, you enjoy it at a level compared to another game that you've played at a certain type. And so, like when you get a new, let's say horror co-op game you compare it to cthulhu death may die and it's like this can't be better than cthulhu death may die so i'm not going to play it Uh, maybe partly maybe although cthulhu death may die was that end where i'm like i have arkham horror so why do i need anything else and i fully expected to not like cthulhu death may die because it's a scenario game and i typically don't like scenario games which is why we're doing an entire episode i think next week on scenario games um (laughs) and then i played it and i'm like Oh, and that game is a game that got me excited to pull the board games off the shelf again, because I'm like, let's play this. Let's go out of our way to set up a bunch of Zoom cameras so that we can play this with our friends across three different households and play this game. Like, that's how much I really, really enjoy that game. When I look at the rest of the games on the shelf, though, not all of them, but some of them, most of them, I'm like, all right, I like having that. But I'm not, I don't feel like I have to pull this off the shelf to play it. And I think that's where this kind of comes in, where I like the idea of having a board game more than necessarily playing it. Even Arkham Horror, the card game, which I love, doesn't hit the table as often as it could. Because the I, when I'm playing it, I have fun. But the idea of playing it is still easier than actually playing it. Like, well, in your head, it's the perfect scenario. Like, you're doing well. Maybe, like, you have the right snacks around. Maybe, like, the idea of playing the game is the, like, whole picture. And then, like, you look at you look at the whole camera setup that you have to make and all the work that goes into it. And you're like, well, maybe right now it's not the best time to be playing. We need more Mountain Dew and Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Cheetos at the game table. Blasphemy. <laughs> tell you mountain dew and pretzels <laughs> pretzels yeah pretzels are all right at least they don't dirty up the table although pizza rolls i think i might make an exception for pizza rolls <laughs> <laughs> i just love pizza rolls so much and 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 it's the idea of pizza rolls and the actual eating of pizza rolls that i like <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying um all right so outside of the realm of keyforge i'm gonna put you on the spot and say, <laughs> Arkham Horror the Card Game. A game that you know I love. A game that many of our friends love. To you, <laughs> is this a game that you actually truly enjoy? Or do is it more of like the idea of playing it with the friends or the, the thing that you like? And not necessarily the game itself. Well, so I like the idea of playing. Getting over the hump of building a deck is hard for me. But I really like... I really like playing. I really do. And also, yes, you're right. The community of people, like that's one of the things that gets me into playing anything. So the idea of playing a game is much more appealing to me when it's it's 
people that I really want to play with because I haven't gotten into playing games solo. The idea of playing a game solo isn't even appealing to me, but I like the idea of playing games that are going to be super fun. And then sometimes the reality might not be what I had in my head. So then I don't actually want to play it. Yeah. I actually, I think the whole solo playing thing, I don't want to say that if you are into playing games solo, that you're more into games than people who don't play into solo. But a little bit, I'm I'm going to say that. If you are willing to go out and play a game solo, you obviously are into that game enough where you don't care about the community. It's not about that. It's really just about that game. And there are very, very few games where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and play this solo. Arkham Horror is one. I have not played Cthulhu Death May Die solo yet. I haven't needed to because every time I wanted to play it, we can find people to play with. Um, but it is one that I would sit down and play solo. There might be, I want to say a handful, but probably less than a handful of other games that I feel that way about. But so, Fletcher, what do you think of that idea where if you're really into board games, that you're willing to play a board game solo just because you're you you're into it, you want to play through those mechanics, those rules, the the tactile feel of it. Like, what do you think of that? I mean, that's totally a valid thing. I've I have definitely done this when I was a kid. Like, I think I've told you before about Stratego, like playing that <laughs> solo with myself. <laughs> that doesn't really work. Hidden information like solo. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you just hit yourself with a mallet um, between each turn. It's totally fine. <laughs> uh i definitely played monopoly solo before um yeah i played chess solo so like you can you can be into a game and like want to play it solo just because you like the tactile um feedback of it or you just want to kind of like figure out the rules even though obviously it's not a perfect game but like you can set up scenarios that like what happens if if i engineer this scenario um and you you can get like a deeper understanding of the rules and rule sets and, and like different strategies and ways to play. So, I mean, I think it's perfectly viable. Um, is it, I don't know if it's like the most fun thing, but like, it definitely is like fun and entertaining. I don't know if you can continue to do that. You know, like how fun is solitaire? If you just keep playing solitaire over and over and over, I don't like, know. sure. It's fun for like, like a short while, but it's like, hey, do you want to play your like 800 game of solitaire in a day? Like, probably not. Ask my grandmother because I'm fairly certain that's just a routine day. <laughs> <laughs> it, I could play. Is, speaking of solitaire, the only time I ever played solitaire was on my browser on a computer. But like, I could play Minesweeper. Right, it's when you're bored and have yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah. Well, and you know, to Minesweeper, basically most video games are yeah. solo experiences. You know, so it's yes. it's that thing where if you really like a video game, you're willing to play it solo. You, you know, we talk about Animal Crossing and kind of joke around. And it's a social game in a way because you're always comparing what you've done with other people. And it is communicable in that – that's another word I just made up um, – in that you can, <laughs> like, visit other people's islands and you stuff. You can transfer it? You can transfer <laughs> it, yep. <laughs> but a Communicable disease? It's a communicable peach tree. Um <laughs> But most games, most of the time you're playing that game, you're playing it solo. And most games, like video games, you're playing solo. Um, I know the, some of the more popular ones you're obviously playing with a community. But what makes it different, and I don't want to go into like a whole solo thing, but this idea of 
enjoying playing games, part of it comes back to, is it really the game or is it the community that you get with it? And neither one is wrong. There's nothing wrong with enjoying games because it brings the community together. But I, I do think it's a different way of thinking about what games you might be into, what, what games you might you know look to have in your collection. And we've talked about that before, too, where if you have large collections, you have a collection that has you know some for more casual players, some for more hardcore players, some that I just really want to have, even though no one will ever play them with me, et cetera, et cetera. There's also a level of passion behind a game, too, because I know you guys have done an episode about this, but when you want to do things outside of a game for a game, so like when you like to, to paint, and so your your passion for this game really makes it so you really want to play this game, so you have to paint it, but like, or like in a collectible game, like, like Keyforge or Magic the Gathering, like you work really hard to make that great deck. So the idea of playing gets you to do all of these other things. I spent so, so the much I- money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So the idea gets you to do so much for your game, but you don't actually end up playing it or playing it a lot. Yeah, I I wish I liked painting as much as it seems like I do. <laughs> like there's there's a certain part of me that likes painting, but there's the also the part of me that actually feels guilty when I don't paint. Hmm. And so there's this weird, tricky balance of, like, Arcadia Quest. I still want to paint every figure there. But there are hundreds of figures, literal hundreds of figures. And I just can't, like, I couldn't do that unless we were playing that game on a very regular basis. So with Cthulhu, I am painting all the figures there. But I'm starting out with the monsters, which is the easiest to do. And I'm not doing the 39 player characters. um, Because... I need to have that incentive of, we just played the game, great, now I have this burst of motivation to paint something new. Great, we played the game, I have this burst of motivation. Where with Arcadia Quest, we stopped playing it um, due to just life, and so that incentive went away. Like, that motivation went away. So now I just feel guilty sitting at, looking at a bunch of unpainted Arcadia Quest miniatures that are in a display case that were supposed to be painted. (laughs) And then I go down and watch Tiger King. I'm using Tiger King as a terrible example because I hate that show. But (laughs) (laughs) Kitty's not here to defend it. That's true. Um, Well, funny story about painting. So I am I am painting all the Cthulhu Death My Dice. I painted the Tiger King. (laughs) I painted Tiger King. (laughs) So one of the figures that you could have gotten with Cthulhu is a basically a two foot tall Cthulhu, quote unquote miniature. And this was gonna take me probably the course of a couple of weeks to to paint because I'm kind of doing it in a gradual way. But I set up a chair and a like a TV tray in front of the TV so that I could watch so we could binge watch MacGyver while I'm painting Cthulhu. Just because I have to multitask. <laughs> hey, it used to be Animal Crossing while we watched MacGyver. This is an upgrade. Yeah. Hashtag COVID life. <laughs> it's all good. Um where do you watch MacGyver? Um we watch CBS. CBS. But the new MacGyver, not the old MacGyver. I would be happy watching the old MacGyver. Oh, I didn't know there was a new MacGyver. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's If you love the old MacGyver, you have to understand that the new MacGyver is a completely different show. Um, but <laughs> oh. it is entertaining. It is it Yeah, is he made watch. me watch one episode of the old MacGyver just so I would know what I was missing. Yeah, she apparently didn't care. The old MacGyver is great. The old MacGyver was great. Uh uh, now I want to go back and watch the old. After we get done with this and we've run out of seasons of new MacGyver, I'll make you watch the old MacGyver. 
while I'm painting my Cthulhu figures still. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, if I could paint and watch TV more often, I think I would paint more often. But moving my entire painting desk downstairs is probably not an option since during the daytime it's a nursery. Don't you only work four days a week now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought too. My hours were reduced. And now I'm working Fridays and Sundays. So, yeah, good times. Wait, what? <laughs> but you're being... <laughs> it's good news. You're working less. Bad news. You're actually not working less. And we're paying you less. Yeah, apparently a bunch of people did not get the memo that they shouldn't be inviting me to Sunday meetings. And then on the other side, I was like, well, I should probably go because that just seems like the right thing to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, this Thursday, I should be able to paint... For the first time, but no, because I worked on Friday. So like, oh, we can take Thursday and Friday off of next week. But now I have training all day Thursday. So that's not happening either. Anyway. Don't forget Sunday. Take <laughs> Sunday off too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'll try to take Sunday off. We'll see what happens. Um, Terrence actually mentioned an uh, interesting thing when we were talking about solo games. Is playing a game solo is kind of like a more complicated choose-your-own-adventure um, mm-hmm. which I think is true. And I think your patience for solo gaming kind of changes depending on your life situation. When I was a teenager, choose your own adventures. Love those. Um, now, I don't know that I could actually sit down and read a choose your own adventure book, even though I have such fond memories of it. But I might be able to sit down and play a solo game. We have role-playing choose your own adventure books. We do. Do we? Oh, we do we? Yes, we have the graphic novel ones. Me. Yeah, the graphic novel ones. Yeah, the graphic novel adventures are great. I will I will definitely give you that. See, the um, idea of playing those for me are really cool because like they they go into the kinds of things that like I love about role playing, but then we haven't actually picked them up. And I think one of the reasons I haven't done that is in this case in particular, finishing that book feels like I don't know, like something I could never do again. The idea of playing it is like endless. But then once you play it, like, you've gone down a path, you've done a thing, like, you've narrowed down the possible adventure to one situation. So, like, the open-endedness of what could be is better than, like, the playing it and having an end result. Which is excellent work on looping back to the main topic here, where the idea of it is more fun than the actual doing of it. Like, before you do something, the, it's it's endless possibilities. Once you've done it, it kind of like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't really what I was expecting. That, that didn't necessarily meet my expectations. And if you see that enough times, it's like, I love the idea of playing board games. But every time I do it, it's like, eh, it falls a little flat. Like, it doesn't meet my expectations of what I wanted to meet. And that's also how you create board game preferences. Like you have that experience enough with certain types of games and the idea of playing those games goes goes down for you. Like like you've played Cards Against Humanity enough that you don't like it, but the idea of playing it is is not appealing to you. But like had you never played it, like what was your opinion of the what was your idea of playing the game before you ever picked it up? Um yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you. Because I've just all I remember is just a lot of visceral loathing of that game, <laughs> I, and, and it may have actually come out of having high expectations. Um, I think the the key factor that turned me into loathing the game was going to a party that was supposed to be like a game party, 
and having the game that we played be Cards Against Humanity. So my expectations, the idea of this game party were so high. And by the end, I just wanted to shoot every single person (laughs) in the knee. Like, I just wanted them all to understand how I was suffering inside. And it couldn't be adventurers like you. <laughs> just it, it hurt. I, I brought over games to play, and they never actually left the bag. And I'm just like, ah, that's okay. Just walk yeah. Away. It's like you had high expectations. It didn't meet your gatekeeping standards. You're like, no. Like I brought <laughs> my gatekeeping standards. Are all these games with me, and you just you just want to make crude jokes the entire time. <laughs> I tried to have fun. The problem you was I was a game party. <laughs> I never win those games either. No one ever finds me funny. <sighs> That's another reason why I hate I hate judgment games. Why do you all have to judge me so much? <laughs> so speaking of judgment, uh, <laughs> Terrence actually sent along another article to accompany this subject, and it's it's tangentially related, but I think is super interesting and something that I want to touch on as well. So I'm going to put a link to this article in the show notes, but it's titled, Why You Should Surround Yourself With More Books Than You'll Ever Have Time to Read. Now, you can essentially fill in the blank of books with just about anything you want. And so why should you surround yourself with more games than you'll ever have time to play? Is this idea. make yourself feel guilty. Maybe. But does it stem out of... You want your house to float away. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure I'm ready for the next pandemic. Um, (laughs) Does it stem out of this idea that you may like the idea of something more than actually doing something? So, and you can, we can talk about books for a moment. Like, I like the idea of reading books. I bought a stack of... um, Arkham or Arkham Files. So this is Fantasy Flight's um, IP for their Arkham Horror stuff. And with the intent, and like, I like what they do. I like the stories they do. So I'm going to buy these books. They're not an Audible. There's no chance I will ever, ever read them. But I want to <laughs> have them. And I just, I think it's an interesting idea. And I've done that with, I, I don't, I can't say I've ever bought a game with no, with no intent to ever play it. But I bought a lot of games and never played them. So is there really a difference there? Well, that also translates to having a physical book, but then reading something on Audible instead, where playing a game is the actual act of playing the game might not be something you're willing to do, but then you consume the media around the game having been played, like listening to other people play it, or you read reviews online about it. Like you like, you take in as much as you can about having played the game you just never play. Yes. And and then I think that's what it You could also I was just going to say you could also just real like not realize that you like collecting games and that's fine too. Yeah. People collect all sorts of things. <laughs> you can collect games. I've been collecting games for too long. Let's see if it's <laughs> been 3 Gen Cons now where I've given away over 50 games at each Gen Con <laughs> and well over 50 games. Um because I think I moved from one apartment to the other. And two-thirds of the moving boxes were just board games. And that's when I decided, like, maybe I have too many. And now that I'm in a house that I never plan on moving from, I'm trying to be super, super careful to not just have board game walls in the basement. Um, So next year, you just have to bring over 100 games to make up for this year. I know. If if Gen Con gets canceled this year, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) 
because you can't ship I can't ship all these they're just way too expensive to ship everything out but um yeah I don't, I don't know what I would do but anyway I, I think this is an interesting idea um one of the things they made a point in this article though which I found super fascinating is a red book is far less valuable than an unread book so you may have a collection of books hmm. say you have a thousand books on your shelves and a hundred of them you've read you have 900 books that you have not read yet. But every single one of those books has something in it that you have not experienced before, that you don't know. And therefore, those books are far more valuable than the ones you have read. Does this equate to board games? Like, is this concept kind of something that you could say, yeah, an unplayed game has such potential, where a played game, I know what it is. I know how it's going to make me feel. But this other game I haven't played yet, it could be anything. Well, you could say that about any, like, future Cthulhu or horror game that, like, wouldn't live up to Cthulhu Death May Die. But, like, the idea of playing it would be great because you love that theme. Is that what drives us to pick up games that we otherwise wouldn't? Absolutely. That potential? Fletcher, you look like you're thinking. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... You're saying like this unread book could be anything and I, you know, I get the analogy and I suppose that could be true, but books go unread, right? Because it's like you do look at the title of the book and it's like, do I want to read On Walden Pond or do I want to <laughs> read Space Adventure, you know, Super Fight or something? It's like, well, Space Adventure Super Fight. That sounds like something I'm more interested in. Also, does that exist? Because I really want to read Space Adventure Super Fight. <laughs> exactly. See, I just made up a book that you want to read. Now you have to write it. Well... I want to read it, but I will likely just order it and put it on a shelf behind me and hope that somebody reads it on Audible at some point. I was given two books from a co-worker whose husband wrote the books, and they are sitting in my desk at work, and I should read them because I should be a good co-worker, but I also don't actually have the desire to physically sit down and read a book. So if they were on Audible, I'd have read them already. Yeah, I actually... There was a book that we got off from a science fiction convention, and it was on Audible, and I bought it, and then I listened to it, and it was narrated by him and his girlfriend. I would have rather just bought the book and never read it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's beside the point. I just, I don't know. Like I say, I think there's something to this. I think there's something to, for those people that have collections of games, where a certain percentage of them are unplayed. Oftentimes, those percentages are games that had a lot of hype, a lot of potential to be amazing. And they got them and they just never got a chance to play it. I mean, how many people own Gloomhaven that never got Gloomhaven to the table? Um, And now Frosthaven recently broke the record for most funded board game on Kickstarter um, at just under $13 million. The third most funded thing ever on Kickstarter. But how many of those people are actually going to get that game to the table or is it going to sit there being like the potential of this is amazing and it's just going to sit here unplayed i'm not kitty so i'm going to take a peek into the kickstarter vault but (laughs) the idea of playing it when you're backing it might be so much higher than when you get it eight months to two years later and actually have to set it up and learn the rules and and all of that yeah um and i know how to play gloomhaven and it's still an overwhelming experience to get everything set up and I think we played probably 80 hours easily of Gloomhaven and don't regret a single moment of it. Um, it's still the dread of setting that game up and actually running and managing the game. Uh, it is not a game I would ever play solo. 
It's a game that I experienced the storyline with you and Sarah and really, truly enjoyed that experience with that group. Um, but it's there's too much there to just set it up and play solo. Even though I know that you know, if you're talking about choose your own adventures, if you like games and you don't have anyone in your family who is like totally into board games and are willing to play this or you just don't have a gaming group, Gloomhaven is the game for you. Pick it up. Play it solo. It is the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game, and it'll it'll be fantastic. Especially if you can leave it out on a table somewhere in your house and never have to put it away and bring it back out. Yeah. Um, But again, it's that idea of this game is could be potentially better, because you see this in overhyped games a lot, too, right? This game is going to be amazing, and then when I play it, it's a letdown because my expectations were different than my experience with actually playing that game. Or like when you're demoing something at a convention or walking around and joining a need players table, like you're sitting down and then you play the game. And so you had the experience of having the fun immediately, having it taught to you. But then you go out and buy it and it's sitting on your shelf and you have to open it. You have to punch everything out. You have to remind yourself of the rules, set it up yourself. Like the idea of of playing it was amazing when it was the experience, less all of the work and then... You have it at home, and it's on your shelf, and it's not right in front of you on your table already set up for you. Yeah. It actually, you're just making me think is like conventions are another one of these things where it could fall into here. The idea of a convention can oftentimes be more fun than the actual attending of a convention. Now, these days, just get me out to a convention. Put me put me <laughs> around a group of people, please. Anywhere. Um, anywhere. I don't care. I just want to be surrounded by a crowd of people I don't know. Sneeze on me. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, we would go to conventions and 2020 is going to be an exception. But before this, we went to a convention a month, you know, even with a toddler. Well, actually, mm-hmm. at that point, a baby, we were going to a convention a month. And we would, the excitement leading up to the convention was always like this huge thing. And then when you get there, sometimes it was great. Other times it was just like, okay, we're at another gaming convention and we can go play games here, there, or over here. Um, oh, or we look. spend most of our time with each other. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, we could do this pretty basically anywhere. Oh, look, a dealer's hall. Okay, yep, I can get this game a month before everyone else. It'll sit on my shelf for another six months before I actually play it, right? So all of these things can happen with that. The expectation, again, just doesn't live up to the actual. So let's end this with a thought. If that is the case, if our expectations oftentimes don't live up to or the actual doing of something doesn't live up to the expectations. Does that mean we shouldn't do those things? And I, this is almost rhetorical, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Of course not. You you should try um, them. You should No. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> don't do it. You're just going to be disappointed. I I agree. I mean, well not with not with Fletcher. I can never do that. But <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where maybe you do like the idea of games better than playing them. But if you like the idea of them, I think that anticipation of this could be the game, this could be the one that makes me realize how fun games are really. And this, this you know, for, not to be too hyperbolistic, uh, I think that might be a new word too. Um, this could be the game that changes my life and how I look at games. 
I think it's worth it. I think it's like worth trying it out and seeing, you know, I'm going to get this game. I'm going to try it out. There's a couple things that are happening. You know, we're, you're making some designer happy because you bought their game. You're making some publisher happy because they get to be a game publisher. But maybe you hit the table and you're like, wow, this this surprises me. I, I was down. I thought that really I just didn't like games. And now I found this one and this is the one. You know, Terrence is the one that made this quote. And now he's addicted to Can't Stop. Simple little game, right? <laughs> it's like... Maybe, whatever, I'll play this game. I'll see how it is. And now it's like, oh, wow, this this is fun. This is great. I'm, I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I thought that I liked games because eventually I figured out that I really did. Like, I like that idea. I like that idea of understanding. This this article that um about the books, one of the other things that was in here is the idea that the more readily you admit that you don't know things, the faster you're able to learn. And this kind of goes towards like books, essentially, look at 90% of my collection, I don't know, but I know that I can learn them whenever I want to. And if you look at that with board games as well, it's like, you know something, I like this concept. I like the idea of sitting around a table and playing a game with people. I like this concept up enough to find the right fit for the game for me and the one I actually want to sit down at a table with and play with people. Like... I just think it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Sure. No, I agree with Chris. I was just being facetious <laughs> earlier, but like, yeah, it's totally worth If you think you're interested, if you think, you know, you have an inkling of you might enjoy a game, like it's totally worth it to go out and get that game and, and try it because you never know what you're going to um, like or dislike. And, you know, worst case scenario, you're, you're down a few bucks and, and you learn a little bit more about games that you don't really care for. Um, Best case scenario is that you do, you find a new game that you absolutely love and you can't wait to tell other people about it and you want to bring it to the table all the time. So like, yeah, I think, I think it's totally worth trying out stuff. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't know, like if you're into the, any hobby at all, it's like, how did you get into this? You, you might have stumbled across something that you didn't know that you liked, but then you ended up loving and now you're totally into it. And the same thing can happen again and again. It doesn't, doesn't need to just happen once or a couple times. It can continuously happen. Yep. Sydney, any final thoughts? If you like something about playing games more than the game itself, don't feel bad about liking the idea of games because you like that thing. Like the community. Like if you like a game so much because of the people you play it with, don't feel bad for liking it because of the community or like playing it because of the people you get to play it with. We all take different things away from doing what our, our hobbies. And you shouldn't feel guilty about the things you take away from that. Totally. Yeah. Or just or just go for broke and call it collecting. And you're a collector <laughs> of games. Yep. And that's what you like about it. And that's okay. You can like collecting games that don't get played. So apparently there's a Japanese term for this, by the way. Um, it's called sundoku. So T-S-U-N-D-O-K-U. And it's defined as acquiring reading materials, but letting them pile up in one's home without reading them. <laughs> I'm fairly certain. That's very specific. It's <laughs> very specific. <laughs> I, I want to know the actual term for acquiring game materials, but letting them pile up in one's home without actually playing There's probably playing a them. word in German for that. Well, definitely. It'd be yeah. multiple symbols long, syllables longer, though. But I just love I this. I think in English, we just call it collecting. It is. Yeah. I just I have a game collection. <laughs> Come, come, take a look at it. Yeah, and or spoons. People collect <laughs> spoons that they have no intention of using. Yep. 
And and I like I say, I'm collecting a number of games now that I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to play them right now. But maybe in six or seven years, when Zachary's old enough, I'll pull this off the shelf and it'll be new to all of us and we'll give it a shot. Because the game, the game is basically like a time capsule, right? You open up, here are the rules, play the game. And you don't need a game to be active to enjoy it. You can just enjoy what you're what's in the box um unless apparently you're batman uh that one what's apparently the, the rollbacks is really really rule books really really bad so that might <laughs> not be um playable but the action figures are great so we'll see i have to i have to get them into dc because that was my childhood growing up and everything that's coming out right now is marvel so it makes me sad where's my chibi dc characters nobody cares nobody loves dc Everyone says Superman's lame. It's not. Superman's amazing. <laughs> he just has bad treatment in the movies. Well, theme can I also read a be lot a of reason. Spawn when I was a kid. <laughs> Spawn's all right. Yeah, I was I was a Superman addict. I read every single Superman comic from the late 80s, early 90s, up until the death of Superman. I have like five years worth of Superman comics. It's good stuff. So anyway, I think this is a good topic. Terrence, thank you for um having a half-handed comment on Facebook that I'm like, I'm going to steal this. And yeah, it's just, it's a cool thing to think about. I do think I like games as much as the idea of games, usually, as as like, to kind of wrap it all up, there are definitely, there's a part of me that really does like collecting games and having the latest, that that FOMO thing. And I'm actually getting over that the more, I, more games I have, the more, the less I feel a desire that I have to have it. Um, I'm looking at games in a different way where I'm like, you know something, Frosthaven, I'm going to back. I'm going to back because at some point I will play this game and it's worth my $100 to back it. Um, what is it? another one? Uh, some of the chip theory game stuff. The quality on those things are just amazing and they're fun. And I can definitely see, like, I could give that to a six-year-old and you're not going to destroy a bunch of poker chips. I can just wash them off, right? It's like, <laughs> those are the kind of things that I think about now is like, is this sturdy enough to last the test of time? Um, and even if I only play it a few times during those years, that's all I need. Like a few good plays of any given game, and that's enough. That's enough to like, I don't want to say vindicate my my dedication to games, but it's enough to for me to keep enjoying this hobby. And every once in a while, I find a gem that I just can't get enough of. So that might be Cthulhu Death May Die or Can't Stop, you know, which drastically different games but both very very fun and addicting and i just want to play the next game every time i get done playing the one i just finished can't stop cthulhu can't stop oh there we go you're trying to collect different monsters and get to the elder god no you're ki- you're taking out cultists to stop the summoning of the different elder gods and anyway um <laughs> So, we have a giveaway um, for episode two episodes from now. Not next episode, but the following. We are going to do a questions episode. And to enter is super simple. Send us an email with a subject, questions. Send it to feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. And just give us any questions you want. Two people will get a $50 Amazon or Cool Stuff gift card of the people who emailed us. Um, Patrons are not automatically entered into this one. You have to email me questions. But I'm going to add uh, a little sweetener to this. Anyone who is here during the live drawing will have an extra entry into it. So even if you've already emailed us questions, if you're here, you will have an extra entry into that drawing. It will be done live. So I will put a Google Sheets 
on the screen. Everyone who's here will see the random number pop up, and the two winners will pop up live. Now, for our patrons, I am going to do a patron-only drawing for Tang Garden, which has basically all of the extras from the Kickstarter. Um, Tile-laying, point point salady type of game. Uh, Really, really cool-looking game. So all you got to do there is just be a patron. And like I say, you can join for $2 and cancel after the... Two weeks Stop from telling now. people to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can join for two dollars. Join for two dollars. That's it. And stay forever. <laughs> <You're in. laughs> um, but yeah, so that one's just going to get sent out, and that's just basically I was going to put it on eBay, but I just don't have the energy. It is boxed up and packed up. So as soon as I do that drawing, if I have the address, it's it's going out. Um, if you are overseas and the shipping ends up being more than like eighty bucks, um, I may contact you and we might work something out but in general uh that that is my intent so those are our giveaways contests i don't know what they're called they're probably just giveaways it's not a contest you guys aren't competing for anything it's just really send us some questions so we can do an episode on answering cool questions um also if you're live on that episode uh you can certainly ask questions in the chat as well and we will answer them that way um of course so that is an episode and before the episode started, <laughs> we had a a toddler, 15-month-old, who did not want to go to sleep. And about 10 minutes ago, after screaming for the last hour, he's finally peacefully asleep. So there, there's the baby update for anyone who's who's keeping score, which is probably not anyone who's listening right now, and only the people that were in <laughs> chat. But, you know, that's just, just peaceful sleeping baby makes me happy. <laughs> um on that note, you can follow us on Facebook at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter's at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Nat Fletch. And I am Game Master Chris. Uh, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And if you want to be that patron to, you know, get that Tang Garden, mm-hmm, uh, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. And today's credits are read by Terry Ash. And as tradition dictates, I have not pre-listened to this. So I have no idea. It's only about a minute long. So let's see what happens. Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Aaron Moore, Matthew Drake, Jimothy, Paul Raymer, Agnes Toth, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keith, Sahara Wentworth, Ron Nelson, Joe Rockstad, John Lewis, Christopher Leto, Jesse Wachowiak, Glenn Cotter, Timothy Gross, Joe Hoover, Mike Smith, Eric Sealander, Sean Peck, Faz Flintham, Nate, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Ann Reynolds, Philip Schwartzel, Cindy Lum, Miles Clark, Michael Yankowski, Yanikowski, James Rodney, David Sellers, Nick Quickstra, David Ratke, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, J- Justin Willard, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Caleb O'Brien, Terry Huang, Benjamin Heimowitz, Rudy Liu, C. Marie, Sean P. Kelly, Brian Arnold, Stephen Seitz, Terrence Miltner, Jason Strong, The Gift of Games, the SGC and Adam Harrison. Until next week, have fun and play some games. (laughs) 
he totally threw me off with with the reading them in reverse, and they're yeah. slightly out of yeah, date. In reverse order. <laughs> so much so, I forgot my tagline. <laughs> <laughs> also, thanks, David and Sam, for joining. That's hilarious.